some people think little girls should be seen and not heard. One, two, three, four! People do feel very radically different about gender experience. I mean, that's just like the rules of feminism. That diversity is like the number one thing I think that has to be reckoned with. Agenda with women in the arts. You're listening to Agenda by Women in the Arts. I'm Isabel Hawthorburn. And I'm Katie Winton. So today we're talking about queer visibility on screen, on TV and in film. Yeah, we'll be talking with Queer Screen Mardi Gras Film Festival director Paul Struthers about why representation is important, why it's important to see yourself and your community represented on screen and where you can catch some films that reflect these concepts. Yeah, and we're seeing a lot of LGBTQI characters on TV at the moment. Have you noticed that, Katie? I don't really watch TV, so... That's right. Well, (laughs) thankfully, I watch a lot of TV. Um, So at the moment, there's Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, Grace and Frankie, Modern Family, One Mississippi, The Real O'Neills, Take My Wife, which is like my personal favourite, Transparent, and Steven Universe, which is like the sweetest cartoon that also like (laughs) touches on some of those... um, some of those themes and um, and the AO or the OA. I can never remember which way around it is, but I'll I have do. watched Please Like Me. Oh, good. <laughs> so we'll be hearing a lot about Please Like Me today. I think my mum watches that as well, so that's something that you guys have in common. Your mum and I have heaps in common. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so listen in for lots of Please Like Me references. <laughs> no, but some. seriously, I think there are there are definitely more queer characters on screen now. And I feel like they're getting more complex and better drawn. And it's not just the gay best friend or the hairdresser that pops in for like the makeover montage. Yeah, I think my favourite, um, I think Titus Andromedon from Unbreakable, Kimmy Schmidt is my new favourite like TV character. Um, it's kind of breaking that kind of mould of the gay best friend. Uh, so commentators have been noting the cultural importance of the way that he functions within the sitcom. So he's subverting the gay best friend tradition and like that's the way that his character is rooted. So originally the gay best friend was like film and television's way of testing the waters for representing gay men like at all. That was the only way that they could kind of be visible. Um, and with the gay best friend, um, filmmakers and television makers were saying that we acknowledge that these people exist. Um, we even want to go as far as to make them friendly. And before that, there was the, um, the gay villainy, which actually hasn't disappeared, but it's like less common than it used to be. That was like the, the one way that it was. What's made. gay villainy? Oh, just like the if you're a baddie, then you're like could be a little bit homosexual. Oh, that was right. Like one, that was like one of the signifiers of your like evilness was if you're a little oh, bit kind okay. of camp or... Yeah, but the character of Titus Andromedon in Kimmy Schmidt, he's like, he's black, but he's not like a mystical Negro and he's gay, but he's not like the caring friend that will like, he has a sexual life of his own and um, he's really manipulative. And so it's the female, white female friend who fulfills a lot of the traditional roles of the gay best friend. And he's the one that's like, oh, do that crazy thing so that I can come along and take a picture of it. (laughs) Like he's kind of, he's got his own world and he's got his own kind of like character arc. He's not there as a kind of foil for her emotional maturation throughout the series. So it's, yeah, it's like very refreshing. I think I like him a lot. Yeah, I guess the flip side of that is that even though there is more kind of representation on screen, that might be the exception, but I feel like it's still not as complex as cis-straight characters or they kind of conform to really normative gender binaries a lot. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I think, well, I guess that's just how like culture and representation operates, right? Like there's the first stage of visibility where it's like a very two-dimensional, you're a very two-dimensional person of colour or a woman. Mm. And then as kind of the tide turns, oh, that's so cliche. I don't know how else to say <laughs> that though. Like, you know, you have these two-dimensional characters and then like, 
you push against that and eventually we start seeing these kind of well-formed, well-drawn characters that have emotional complexity. So would you say that Rome was not built in a day and that uh, <laughs> if representation... We're just smashing out the cliches, then yes, I guess Rome wasn't built in a day. <laughs> no, I do agree with you, though. I think, yeah, there's still... Still more queer people, but they're being hampered by lazy cinematic tropes a lot. Like Bury Your Gaze, for instance. So that one is kind of about lesbians in particular. They're still being killed off in really violent ways a lot of the time. Sorry, what's Bury Your Gaze? Oh, it's a pop culture trope where queer characters, particularly lesbians, are killed off TV shows in the name of advancing like a heterosexual character's storyline. Yeah, 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 right. No, I do I, I do know that. I didn't know was that's what it was called, but I have like a very exhaustive list of lesbians <laughs> that have been killed. Um, and sorry, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen like the last 20 years of television. <laughs> like but, me. Um, <laughs> um, but there's like, I don't know how to, re- I can't remember. I used to watch Star Trek all the time, but I think it's like, Jatsia Dax from Star Trek. She was killed off. Diamond from Dark Angel. Xena Warrior Princess. Bridget from 24. Tara McClay from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Tina Greer from Smallville. Flora from Deadwood. Brenda Castillo from Charmed. Tasha from The Wire. Marissa Cooper from The OC. Helena Kane from Battlestar Galactica. Actually, every lesbian in Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> Ray Thomas from Passions. Lily Baker from Super... Passions. Passions. I loved Passions. <laughs> well, they didn't like lesbians. <laughs> Lily Baker from Supernatural. And actually, again, every queer person in Supernatural. Snoop from The Wire, that was really sad. Amy Tyler from Sons of Anarchy. Sophia from Skins. Queen Sophia and Leclerc from True Blood. I don't remember that happening. Angela Darmody and Louise Bryant from Boardwalk Empire. Wow. Wendy, American Horror Story. Maya Germain from Pretty Little Liars. And every queer person in House of Cards, Supernatural, Jessica Jones, American Horror Story. I think I said that already. But yeah. It's like, it's like people go to film school and the first rule is like... Uh, what, the, bury your bury gaze. gaze. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, actually, there's a Sydney artist, Zoe Wong, who's making work about this at the moment. So her whole practice right now is exploring the on-screen dead lesbian trope. And she's making a body of work that's installations, that's uh, memorials to dead lesbians on screen. Oh, um, do you have one of her works? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I think <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It says, um, uh, Les, we forget. And it's like <laughs> a little kind of white... Um, Cross, like crucifix. Yeah, like a crucifix with Poussey on it and Buffy and it's got like a some flowers on it and it's about yeah, the funny. dead lesbian trope in, in I mean it's not funny, it's like really, it's not yeah, it's but it's like traumatic if you're like a queer person and you're looking to see yourself reflected in popular culture and film and television and you're constantly seeing like yourself reflected in these like tragic mm. storylines. And it's like it's not funny. I guess. No, but it is a really interesting work, the way that she's exploring that. She makes some videos about it too. Yeah, right. That's really interesting. Um, so in terms of like that bury your dead idea, there is a show um, that I really like called Take My Wife, which is like a comedy about two lesbian comedians. And it's really sweet. And it's um, it's Rhea Butcher and um, Cameron Esposito. They're two comedians. And like part of it is like, this is the show where the lesbians don't die and they laugh. And apparently like <laughs> lesbians don't laugh in TV. Apparently that's another kind of trope. Trope, yeah. And, that's um, the tagline, right? This is a show where yeah, lesbians lesbian, don't die. Lesbians yeah. laugh and they don't die. And it's yeah. like so sweet. Like Rhea Butcher is this like Midwestern dream girl and her wife Cameron Esposito is like, funny but her haircut is like so distractingly bad that like I kind of like I love this show but your hair is so bad I saw that they were nominated in the GLAAD Awards yeah actually that which is the Gay and Lesbian Alliance Against Defamation yeah right and so there's like um 
there are so many shows. Like, I guess I kind of, I'm really pretty exhausted. Yeah, some of don't shows. give me another list. There's like so many shows out at the moment with like really interesting queer characters. Um, and because Katie isn't going to help me out at all, I'd love to hear like your favourite queer characters at the moment. I really like Josh Thomas yes. on Please We know, like we know me. that you like Josh Thomas. Um, after this song, we're going to chat to Paul Struthers about how you can see more diversity in cinema for the Queer Screen Mighty Gras Film Festival. Yeah, let's listen to Missy Elliott's new track. Yeah, and I mean, if you ask me why visibility is important, um, (laughs) just kidding, I'm not going to read any more poetry on air. Um, But there's a reference to the importance of Missy uh, for visibility and feminism taken from a poem by Ashley Hayes that's sampled in By Ourselves, the first song from the latest Blood Orange album. I'm just going to play. You ask me what representation is important, I will tell you that on days I don't feel pretty, I hear the sweet voice of Missy singing to me. Pop that, pop that, jiggle that fat, and don't stop, get it till your clothes get wet. I will tell you that right now there are a million black girls just waiting to see someone who looks like them. So good. This is Missy with Where They From, featuring Pharrell. You're on Agenda. How to do where you from? Hey, 
That was the new Missy Elliott track. I think there's a documentary coming out about her soon, which we are going to be all over. So you're definitely not going to miss that moment. (laughs) Yeah, right now we're joined by Paul Struthers, the director of Mardi Gras Film Festival, who just released five most influential films growing up that we saw online the other day. Hi, Paul. Hi, thanks for having me. Good (laughs) morning. We just uh, wanted to start by asking you, in light of that article that came out the other day, what some films from your film festival program are that you think would be really important for young people thinking about gender and sexuality to go and see? I think one that's really important that is actually being run by our youth volunteer because we really try to engage community with Queer Screen is our free youth screening of a documentary called Coming Out. It's basically about this chap called Alden Peters who films himself coming out to his brother, to his mum, to his dad, to his friends. And I think anyone who's ever come out really goes on the journey with him. Like when he's coming out to his dad, you're like, oh my God. But I also, I think it will really help young people to decide what they're going to do when they come out to their family and how they're going to do it. And the great thing is the director is actually coming out. So we're going to have an intro and Q&A from him and then we're going to have a panel afterwards about coming out on screen. So I think that's really good for you. Oh, amazing. I think that it's also like in the way that coming out is represented in like film and television. It's this one act that happens and you have one conversation with your friends and family and that's coming out and then you're out and it's not like this progressive thing that kind of happens over years and you have to keep on having conversations with people so troubling that idea that it's not just like an event that happens and it's an episode of and a then TV it's show. over yeah, yeah. but yeah, it's like, like Panty Bliss's uh, famous speech about as queer people we have to always check ourselves because ultimately every day we have to come out like when I'm on the train in the morning with my boyfriend do we kiss or not do you know what I mean because mm-hmm. that's essentially us coming out and we might feel we're putting ourselves in danger so I think every day we come out because I remember when I came out it was like freedom telling the first person, but then there's still so many other people to tell, you know? Yeah, and you probably are fatigued by that. It's Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Um, so on a personal level, it seems like for the conversations that we were kind of having with people for this episode, they were talking about the importance of uh, seeing yourself reflected in film and television and how important that can be, particularly if you live in like a small town. We were talking with an artist, a Sydney-based artist, about you know, the importance of seeing yourself reflected. Yeah, of course. Um, do you think that something like the Queer Screen and the Mardi Gras Film Festival, do you feel that it has, like, broader implications, like, politically? Yeah, for sure. I think when it comes to the program myself and the programming team, we're really looking for diversity, diversity of stories, diversity of people of colour, diversity of sexuality, so that everyone feels as though there's something for them and everyone is represented as much as we can. So, yeah, I think it's really, really important. I remember when I saw a film, Greg Araki totally effed up. I shouldn't swear. I was about to swear on radio. <laughs> no, last week we did all of the swear words ever. So, yeah, yeah. but anyway. So Which Greg- doesn't mean we should this week. <laughs> I won't. So, Greg Araki's totally effed up. And before, I'd just come out, I think, three months before. And, like, I didn't know what it was, what you had. I was just working with what I'd seen on TV, the stereotypes of being queer. But then when I saw that film, it really opened up to my eyes that you can be 
queer and be anything, you know? And it was really beautiful. Yeah, I think uh, that's kind of what we were talking about before. Like, there are these, like, very ingrained tropes about, like, what queerness looks like. And as that's kind of being, yeah, com- made more complex, it's, yeah, it's obviously very positive for people to see not just, like, what we were talking about, like, the gay best friend or the gay villain or something like that. So, yeah. Do you think that there are any films that, I mean, we're in quite a particular, just touching on that last point we're in quite a particular political moment and I feel like the program has quite a great combination of documentaries and personal and political stories do you think that there are any films that speak kind of specifically to what's happening right now I think uh, there's lots of films in the program there's one in particular called political animals about four lesbian uh politicians in LA who basically really paved the way for a lot of LGBTIQ legislation when there weren't many out lesbians at all in politics and I think it's a really really inspiring story and a lot of their work has led to marriage equality in America right now. Another film that I think is really important is The Revival, Women in the Word, and it's about five uh, travelling poets, musicians, women of colour who travel across the states telling their story, and I think it's important that these stories are heard because they often aren't heard at all. Do you know when that's um, being screened? That's or? actually screening uh, twice. Once uh, it's screening at 7.30 on Friday the 24th of Feb at Casula Powerhouse, the first time yeah. we've been there, which is awesome. And then also Monday the 27th of Feb at Vent Cinemas George Street at 6.45. But even better, uh, one of the performers is coming, B. Steadwell. So she's going to perform after the screening along Great. with local poet uh, Candy Royale. Amazing. So you guys aren't just, um, the program isn't just in Sydney, CBD. So the majority is. So the majority of the screens are Event Cinemas George Street, a couple at Golden Age Cinema, a couple at Cremorne, and then one at Casula. But we also go to the Blue Mountains, Canberra and uh, Riverside Parramatta after the festival. We'll pop a link up on yeah. the agenda page as well to the program and where people can see all of the films. But let's take a track now by Spike Fuck. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Language warning. Um, this one is called Tomorrow We Get Healthy. Sorrow 
That was Spike Fuck with Tomorrow We Get Healthy. We're joined with Paul Struthers now talking about the Queer Screen Film Festival. Uh, We wanted to ask you what the surrounding events are to the film program. There's a few panel discussions happening. Yeah, there is. There's a couple of big events actually happening. We're part of an alliance called the Asia Pacific Queer Film Festival Alliance with around 17 other film festivals in the Asia Pacific. And we're really lucky that 17 delegates from the Asia Pacific are coming. And we're going to have a big panel discussion on the importance of LGBTIQ cinema in the Asia Pacific at the University of Sydney. It's free, so come along to that. 
Also, to coincide with that, we actually have Asia Pacific Queer Film Festival shorts. Again, free. You can come and see the best new short films from the Asia Pacifics, and a lot of the delegates will be there and will speak about their films as well. Another great thing we have is GLAD, the organization you mentioned earlier. They're coming to Australia for the first time, and we're going to be having a panel discussion with two members of GLAD and some local people, including Benjamin Law and Jordan. I can never pronounce Raskopoulos, yes, okay. yeah, <laughs> which is one of the other big events as well, yeah. So you've got some kind of homegrown talent, and you're flying people out as well, like de- other delegates. Yeah, there's lot, so there's so many guests. A date for Mad Mary, the producers coming for opening night. Then on the Friday, the 17th of Feb, Memories of a Penitent Heart, which played at Tribeca, a really powerful documentary. The editor is actually from Australia, Hannah Buck, and she's going to be coming. Then on Saturday, the 18th of Feb, Liebman, which played at the Berlin Film Festival last year. We have a guest called Jules Herrmann. She's coming all the way from Germany. And there's lots and lots more in between. And then at the end, I think a really special guest is Panty Bliss is going to host our closing night party for Handsome Devil, which is an Irish film. And the director, John Butler, will be there also. There's lots and lots of guests this year, which is awesome. Great. What does that look like with the guests? I mean, the directors and the kind of people that you just mentioned, are they going to be speaking after the screening? Or oh, so they'll do an introduction and then we'll do a Q&A afterwards. It'll be me or someone else from Queer Screen. We'll ask a couple of questions and open it up to the audience so everyone has a chance. And another fun thing we have on Saturday, the 18th of Feb, we have a speed networking event. It's free. It's at a bar right next to the cinema. And we'll have free guests, filmmakers, who tell us a bit about their career. And then they'll help out with some speed networking. So local filmmakers get to know each other and can work out ways to work with each other. That sounds amazing and terrifying, but like <laughs> interesting. Yeah, there's loads going on this year, loads, loads, loads. Yeah, we'll pop up a link online on the FBI agenda page so that people can suss out the program. And are there any kind of combination, t- can you get like a package? You can t- buy a Flexi 5 or a Flexi 10, so that saves money on tickets. Yeah, great. And also I should say that we are screening a great film with you guys, Ovarian Cycles, so make sure you come to that. Yeah, Katie and I are going to be opening that up. We're so excited about it. The Feminist Bike Crew. Yeah, we're really excited about that one. Thank you so much, Paul. Um, We're going to leave you with this beautiful new track from Gussie, and this is called Mornings. That we won't need. I'll tell you 
that we wanna hear in the morning you tell me I get up I miss my so getting up is such a struggle Cause in the morning you tell me after fighting I get up and I'm so sad in the morning I don't wanna get up I don't wanna see your face I don't wanna feel your touch in the morning we are always fed up cause we're always in this place and we don't want to be here it has been four years and I know I used to wake up without fear I'll tell you anything 